0: Hello, and welcome to Science History Podcast. My name is Nick.
1: My name is Grumpy. That is Mika. I am Grumpy, the dwarf. (laughs) Okay.
0: That reminded me of a TikTok? I will tell you later. Yay! (laughs) It was Walt Disney describing the dwarfs, and it was funny. Oh, stop. (laughs) He called Doc, or he called one of them, I think it was Grumpy. He's like, and here's Grumpy, that old woman hater. Or something. Oh, <laughs> people are like what?
1: <laughs> um, Disney. I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, I that's you. Like
0: apparently, you're grumpy.
1: I am grumpy, but I'm not a woman hater. I am a woman appreciator, and Disney is not someone that I aspire to be like.
0: Okay, well this is a this is a Disney podcast.
1: No, where
0: I'm teaching <laughs> no. Think <laughs> of all of the Disney no. music. No, <laughs> and we hate women.
2: No, oh no. <laughs>
0: It's a music history podcast where I'm trying to teach Mika all of music history, at least all of American music history.
1: I'm trying to be a supportive wife. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I enjoy doing this with you. Sure. I'm just grumpy.
0: Okay. Well, today we're getting into the 80s. We're done with the 70s. But before we do that, Mika is the host now.
1: I don't want to talk to people.
0: You don't want to do your segment at all? Their first episode without your segment in the history of our show?
2: That's
1: not true.
0: I'm pretty sure it is. We've been doing this <laughs> since the beginning. used to be called Mika's Plugs, though. And then you vetoed that name. And now it's Mika's the yeah, host. Yeah, it
1: sounds sexual.
0: So you don't know, know Mika's the host now?
1: Mika is the host now. I don't know. Um, <laughs> popcorn is a good depression snack. But you like should depression probably
0: depression era. Like if you don't have money,
1: I, yeah, actually, probably okay. yeah, because you can cook it like on the stove with like a tiny little bit of like oil or fat, and it's a pretty cheap, it's a pretty cheap semi healthy carb.
0: And it'll cure your depression. No,
1: <laughs> it'll give you sustenance while you lay on the couch. If you do more than lay on the couch, you might need more food. <laughs> okay.
0: Anything else or just popcorn?
1: Mm, Popcorn. Gummy gummy jelly beans. Jelly beans are good too.
2: Okay. Jelly
0: bean season. It's Just
1: Starburst jelly beans. Apparently, there's like a tropical pack, which I've never seen, but I think I would like it very much. Because the strawberry ones are very much the best because they're the most tart. And if it's tropical, it probably has more acid. So I'd probably like it a lot. But I've never seen them in stores. All done now.
0: Okay. We can no longer those now? Nope. Okay. Well, we're we're out of the 70s. What was your favorite part of the 70s?
1: Bleatwood. Yeah. It
0: was right at the end. I feel like it was cheating.
1: But it still would have been my favorite part. I don't remember what the other stuff <laughs> was. Michael Jackson. Yeah, we did Michael Jackson. It's we did still Fleetwood.
0: <laughs> we did punk. We did new wave. We did Blondie. We did the Ramones.
1: I, Blondie was in the seventies. This whole time, it's yeah. been the seventies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Damn. Well, today we're starting the eighties, even though we've basically kind of been in the eighties for the past several episodes with some of the bands we've talked about. But we're officially starting our eighties chapter with possibly the quintessential eighties musical genre, hair, hair metal. <laughs>
1: Are you impressed with me? A
0: little bit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, The style and music that most people think of when you mention the 80s is either like that new wave weird synth pop or hair metal. So it only makes sense that we start out the weird world of the 80s with hair metal.
1: But I like synth pop.
0: Yeah? I mean, we talked about that in new wave.
1: I didn't like new wave. Okay. (laughs) I like synth pop. I don't like new wave. All right.
0: Well, what do you know about hair metal? Kiss. Okay. They, we did, we've did. we already talked about them. They're, they were a little bit pre-hair metal. I, I did not know that. So hair metal, is that all you know about hair metal is just kiss?
1: This kiss. This kiss.
0: That's not hair metal.
1: It is if there's hair and makeup.
0: That's not all hair metal
1: is. Are you sure?
0: It's a large part of it. But <laughs> <laughs> that's not all it is. So hair metal by its like very essence is very accessible to the average listener. The term metal normally makes something sound kind of like aggressive or loud or too intense, but hair metal was basically the commercialized version of metal. The the sellouts of metal.
1: Clowns, one might say.
0: <laughs> not not me though. Not me either. <laughs> Just ones out there. Yeah. The music was generally geared towards younger listeners, and the lyrics were often over-sexual. No. (laughs) In terms of the music itself, it generally focused on power chords and soaring vocals.
1: I am a fan of those things.
0: Guitars are also super important, and almost every hair metal song had at least one guitar solo somewhere in the song. Sounds like so far you're a a hair metal fan.
1: I'm trying to decide if I like guitar solos.
0: I, I I like them for about 30 seconds, and then I get bored. When they just drag on, I'm like, all right, I get it. You can play guitar.
1: Why is that? Why do we not appreciate the beauty of, of that instrument?
0: I don't know. I, I think partly oversaturation. Like, everyone plays guitar, but also I'm just such a words person. So any just instrumental, I get bored of pretty quickly. I need some words.
2: This kiss, this kiss.
0: Hair metal. If I
1: screamed that, it would have been hair metal.
0: Well, hair metal vocals are normally higher pitched and melodic. I'm not going to do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was holding out hope.
1: No, I didn't want to hurt your ears.
0: <laughs> hurt editing these ears. Just to be mean to editing me, you got to just randomly do it when I'm not expecting it. So I'll just be not paying attention while editing and then you're screaming at me.
1: You said it, not me.
0: (laughs) Like the rest of the music, the hair metal vocals are meant to be accessible. Traditional metal singers generally get a lot of respect for their vocal abilities, but hair metal bands don't really have that same respect. Why? Some of that has less to do with the vocalist abilities and more about just the general style of the performance that's
1: kind of a bummer it's kind of
0: hard when you see hair metal to take it super seriously as an art form
1: but that's the point
0: yeah but like you're not going to listen to some of these bands and be like yes that's on par with led zeppelin because it's just it, it doesn't seem like it is it seems like two different things Hair metal basically takes elements of traditional metal and adds in catchy hooks and melodies. It's the commercialization of metal music and guitar solos. They also use extensive harmonies, especially in the ballads, which almost every hair metal band had.
1: I like harmonies.
0: The These were known as power ballads, which started slow and built to a super strong finale. And they were some of the most successful songs of the 80s and really brought hair metal into the public eye.
1: I like power ballads.
0: Okay. What's your favorite power ballad?
1: On my own from Limiz.
2: <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> they have the hair and makeup and <laughs> theater shows. But the real joy of Hair Metal was not in the music. It was in the style and costuming of the performers. Some of the bands basically turned their performances into an entire theatrical show with makeup, characters, costuming, and extensive set design. So, lame is. Yeah. The bands took a lot of influence from the glam rockers of the 70s, like KISS, the New York Dolls, and Roxy. Which, we talked about the New York Dolls in the punk episode, so go listen to that if you want to remember. I do. You remember that? No, I want to. Oh, you want to? <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about KISS- I don't remember when, but somewhere back then we had an episode on Kiss. If you say so. They normally had, the performers normally had very long back combed hair, tons of hairspray, heavy makeup, gaudy clothing and accessories, a lot of headbands and tight spandex.
1: I'm a fan of a third to a half of those things.
0: What are you not a fan of? Spandex? Headbands. Headbands and spandex?
1: No, I'm a fan of spandex. Okay. okay.
0: (laughs) All right. But that kind of style really endeared them to TV producers. So it really helped that MTV was getting pretty popular around the same time that hair metal got popular.
1: Do we get to watch music videos? Yeah, at some point
0: we'll get into it. These bands also grew in popularity thanks to their offstage antics. This genre was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll
1: literally that's been every genre that we've talked (laughs) about in the last like
0: 15 episodes but this is like to the extreme of that oh no this genre i already said that the bands were often engaged in debauchery with tons of late night parties that were often covered in the tabloids that's
1: again been a thing
0: well i just i don't think you really see like fleetwood mac partying to the same extreme as these guys did
1: okay yeah
0: but maybe dr- some of the drugs. Maybe some of the punk rockers, but yeah. they didn't have the the finances to go to the extreme that these guys do. Ah, uh, gotcha. These guys had the attitude, the not caringness, and also the money.
1: Not caringness is the same as attitude. Yeah, I guess so. I'm just contrary.
0: No, you're grumpy. You gotta pick the right Oh my dwarf. gosh,
1: that's the new dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> contrary.
0: As they got bigger, they made more money, so the parties got bigger, and the coverage of the parties got more intense. Just kind of this never-ending cycle. It's also worth noting as we get into this, that this genre is kind of called all sorts of things. I think the most official term is glam. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's glam metal, but it's also what? called light metal, pop metal, melodic metal, basically any kind of, like, sub-metal.
1: I've literally never heard of any of those terms besides hair metal.
0: Well, the term I most commonly use, which is hair metal, came into being in the 90s with the rise of grunge music. And it was kind of derogatory. I don't think any of the bands of the genre would call themselves hair metal bands.
1: Yeah, they were going full glam.
0: Yeah, but maybe they eventually embraced it. I don't know. But at the start, it was kind of like it was a put down. It wasn't it wasn't how they would choose to describe themselves. All right. So that's a bit about where what hair metal is. Now let's look at where it came from.
1: Where'd you come from? Where'd you go? Where'd you go for metal?
0: <laughs> Unlike a lot of other genres, it's pretty easy to pick out a few key inspirations for this genre. Hair metal bands were very influenced by the glam rockers of the 60s and 70s, especially bands like Kiss, Boston, and the New York Dolls.
2: I
1: think I'll go to Boston. We also
0: talked about Boston. I know, because I
1: did that in that episode a lot. Probably. (laughs) I was calling it back.
0: Basically, the kind of like arena rock style that we covered quite a few episodes ago gave birth to this type of music.
1: Yeah, that's why I like it probably. Yeah.
0: There was a band from Finland called Hanoi Rocks. I like it. That heavily based themselves off of the New York Dolls and are basically credited with establishing the blueprint for the aesthetics of this genre. Good
1: job, guys.
0: Hanoi Rocks was formed in 1979 in Helsinki by singer Michael Monroe and his friend guitarist Andy McCoy. I'm guessing that's not, I'm guessing that's the Anglicanized version of their name. I rest. was
1: going to say that's very
0: like. Yeah, it's not Finnish. Really. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the members were taken from mostly two different Finnish punk bands. Michael, bon- Michael Monroe was asked to join a punk band, but he was told he had to cut his hair to fit in. He the refused. Audacity. The he refused. He said, quote, the punk thing was great, but you can join our punk band if you cut your hair. What? To be in punk fashion? I'm not going to be a slave to fashion. So I said no. End quote. Trendsetter. That's when he and Andy decided to start their own band. After the band formed, they started playing the local club scene, mostly playing covers, but also a few originals. Most of the band were literally living on the streets, except Andy, who was living with his wealthy girlfriend.
1: I don't think that I trust Andy. (laughs) Okay.
0: Then they got a manager and signed a record deal. One of their first hits was a Swedish song that Andy translated into English and then claimed he wrote. So. (laughs) (laughs) It was called I Want You. Here is I Want You.
1: Why is this going to be like rapey? (laughs) Like
0: a saxophone. I'm
2: checking out my native city. I can feel the blood in my face. I know it's awake and my heart is just about to collapse. I have got a
0: and not seem like they're getting into the The black so
2: uh, no
1: They're reminding me of like Wacky Inflatable flailing tube arm men you you far, two yeah. i want you
0: Yeah uh, All right, well that's I want you Live in Finland I want you the band then went on a 102 day tour of Finland.
1: need me. Finland.
0: The band then went on a 102 day tour of Finland, which is considered to be the longest rock tour in Finland's history. Good job, guys. They then recorded their debut album, that the band doesn't actually like, but was a top <laughs> five hit in Finland. <laughs> then they recorded their follow up, called Oriental Beat, in London in 1982. Huh that album became a hit in markets outside of scandinavia which opened them up to the uk and japan markets okay here is the song oriental beat
1: what is the point of view here like what is what is the fashion story
0: he's not a slave to fashion he does what he wants so.
1: I, they all do what they want it's not cohesive it's like fifth harpenny up in this bitch
2: is
1: that real here yeah, probably. that is an anime wig I I like how he was, like, sneaky. He's like, I'm going to get you even though I'm playing loud music.
0: All right, well, that's Oriental Beat.
1: I didn't listen to it at all.
0: Yep, I didn't think you were. By 1983, they were getting airplay on MTV and were starting to be very commercially successful. Their style started to influence a lot of the hair metal bands that were starting to figure out what they wanted to be. In 1984, after a party at Motley Crue's house, the Hanoi Rocks drummer, who was known as Razzle...
1: Wow. (laughs) Amazing. Don't make fun of him.
0: Okay. He got in a car with Vince Neal, who was the singer for Motley Crue, who had been drinking pretty heavily. They went down a very winding road, and Vince lost control of the car and smashed into an oncoming car. Everyone involved had minor injuries except for Razzle, who passed away at the age of 24. R.I.P. Razzle. Vince got 30 days in jail. That's it? Yeah. even he Is said, that normal? No. Even he said that that was way too light. The band never really recovered from that. They tried to keep going, but eventually they broke up in 1984.
1: You can't keep going without your Razzle Dazzle.
0: <laughs> they might have still had Dazzle. I don't know what the rest of them went by.
1: That is such like, um, what are the, um... From like Pokemon, the the ones that always try and take Pikachu.
0: Oh, the Team Rocket. Yeah, they They're are razzle off. and
1: razzle and dazzle.
0: I don't remember their names, but sure, we'll call them. Like, Razzled tell
1: dazzle. me that that doesn't fit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hanoi Rocks were not really as associated with the L.A. glam rock scene that so many people want to place them into. They weren't around it, and they didn't come from it as much as other bands. But their influence on the other bands that came after them was massive. The early 80s is considered to be the first wave of glam metal. Motley Crue, who we will talk about more in depth next episode, released their first album in 1981, and a few other bands like Dokken, Dokken, I'm not sure how to say that, and Night Ranger also released their first albums. It wasn't fully hair metal yet, but it was getting there. But 1983 was really the breakout year for hair metal. Quiet Riot, which was a heavy metal band that was formed 10 years earlier in LA, but had floundered a bit as they tried to land on a sound they wanted, released an album called Metal Health.
1: That sounds so dumb.
0: What do you think of Quiet Riot as a name?
1: I like Quiet Riot quite a a bit. I think that that's really, really strong. But Metal Health? Yeah, Metal Health sucks. (laughs) Like, what, what happened?
0: Well, it made history as the first metal album to ever reach number one in the charts based largely on the back of their top five single come on feel the noise how do you think they spelled come, come on, feel the noise. here's come on feel the noise
1: i don't want i don't want it
0: <laughs> i'm sure you heard this song everyone's heard this song. In like 30 million
1: why, why'd they spell noise like that more importantly
0: no,
1: they already have come in the title
2: so think my me
0: money. I why. I why soaring melodic vocals and the power chords
1: well, I was distracted by the bear in the top hats They're going to like burst out of the closet.
0: He's feeling the noise. I need
1: need to know what happened.
0: Well, I'm going to cut it here in the recording. That was Come On, Feel The Noise. I'm a fan. Well, unfortunately, Quiet Riot's success wasn't lasting. They only had a couple of good years, but a lot of lineup changes and other artists releasing albums like theirs kind of pushed them out of the spotlight. But Metal Health opened the floodgates for this more melodic style of metal in the public eye. I have a lot to thank them for, or hate them for, depending on your take on hair metal.
1: I like melody.
0: <laughs> also in 1983, Motley Crue released their second album, Def Leppard released their third album, and Kiss released an album called Lick It Up that leaned heavily into the style of metal. Do you have thoughts on Lick It Up?
1: I think it's a good title. <laughs> okay. It makes me think of ice cream.
0: Okay. I, I don't know that that's what they were going for, but okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just happy little innocent summer (laughs) days, ice cream, cones. Yeah. Good times.
0: All of this happening in 83 created an explosion, particularly in L.A. Bands were all vying for spots at legendary clubs, so more clubs opened to kind of accommodate the bands.
1: I wish that Nashville would do that faster.
0: No, we have to open apartments. Some of those clubs were punk clubs that were tired of the violence, so they started to book metal bands instead. Labels all wanted to capitalize on the success of this new genre, so more and more bands were getting signed. Rolling Stone was featuring a hair metal band on, like, every single cover. So this was the the start of hair metal's takeover.
1: Good. Good for them. Rise. May your your greatness be as high as your hair, fueled by your hairspray. (laughs)
0: Def Leppard's album, Pyromania, ended up reaching number two in the charts and eventually went two times platinum. Def Leppard were a British band formed in 1975. Pyromania was their third album and was the one that finally broke them into stardom. They had a couple of minor hits in the UK, but this was their first big one in the US. And we all know that's more important.
1: Mm-hmm. Suck it, Britain.
0: Their style on that album was highly copied, especially by bands in the LA scene, which leads many people to classify Def Leppard... With the, like, L.A. glam metal genre, even though they weren't from L.A., and they refused the glam metal label. Huh. Joe Elliott, who was their singer, said, quote, I don't know how anybody could confuse us with that lot. We weren't even around when all of those so-called glam bands came up. We were in Holland making Hysteria. While they were out banging chicks or whatever, we were looking at windmills and playing pool on a table without any pockets.
1: Yeah, like real artists do. <laughs>
0: We were as far away from L.A. as any band could be, end quote.
1: He really doesn't like L.A. Apparently not.
0: I mean, I don't blame him. Here is their song, Rock of Ages, so you can decide, so you can judge for yourself if you think Def Leppard is glam metal. They're dramatic.
1: I mean, that hair...
0: It's like, unnecessarily dramatic. It's just weird things and close ups, like, close crop zooms.
1: This is giving me, like, real big Monty Python vibes, yeah. actually. <laughs> They said the thing.
0: (laughs) Long live rock and roll. What
1: did they classify themselves as? Artists. Yeah. I don't want to know them. That guy looks like my dad.
0: that's, That's rock of ages.
1: Hey, Dad, you look like one of the guys from Def Leppard.
0: Your dad doesn't listen to this.
1: I love you, Daddy.
0: (laughs) Some people have said that it was so easy to be successful as a hair metal band during this period that even Christian metal bands were making it big. Christian metal. Striper, a Christian band formed in Los Angeles in the 80s, got a gold record for their first album in 1985. Their second album, in 1986, went platinum. Songs from that album got heavy play on MTV and they were only the second Christian act to ever be featured on MTV. For a band that seems so at odds with everything that hair metal was about, to still get a platinum album just shows how massive the genre was in the early to mid 80s. Or how
1: talented they were.
0: Was it good? We'll let you judge. Here's their song called Honesty, which is arguably their biggest hit.
1: Already were worse.
2: <laughs> Honestly, I believe in
1: you. This is bad. Oh, the American flag in the background. Believe in you. Well, this is awful. This is like parody. This is like a joke. I'll stand,
0: I'll I'll this is their power ballad, right? Stand,
1: stand, There's no power in
0: this, it builds to it.
1: That man looks like a poodle. His face was so small, and his hair was so big. Well,
0: that's Striper. No, I need to keep hearing it. It's bad. All right. Well, that's Striper. Honestly.
1: I wanted to give it a little bit more time to get into the power part.
0: Still weren't feeling it? No.
1: Am I wrong?
0: It's not my favorite. Some people love it. Because of the success of 1983, so many bands were able to release a debut album in 84 that were also successful, like WASP, which is an acronym, W-A-S-P, Rat, and Bon Jovi. But by 1985, we started to get to the second wave of hair metal, where the mm. bands kind of split into two separate divisions.
1: 1985?
0: Yes. 83 was when it all kicked off, and by 85, we start to split.
1: Okay. For a second, my brain thought we yeah. were in the 1800s.
0: <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Th- that's all. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine sending like Motley Crue back to the 1800s. The Civil War just ended and... <laughs> <laughs> the hair metal i think they all would have just had heart attacks yeah okay. <laughs> so on one side of this division you have groups like bon jovi which were all mainstream and catered to the commercial success these bands carried on with the direction bon that the
1: jovi's hair metal
0: at the start yeah okay these bands carried on with the direction that the first wave started, appearing on TV and regularly featuring, featuring on MTV's metal segment, which was called Headbangers Ball, <laughs> which was one of their most popular shows with 1.3 million viewers a week.
1: Honestly, I'm here for
0: it.
2: Yeah.
0: They also received heavy radio rotation, specifically in L.A., where most of them came out of. Thanks in large part to Headbangers Ball, these bands went from playing dive bars on the Sunset Strip to playing in sold-out stadiums. It also meant a little bit more scrutiny with who became successful. This genre had actual fans now, which came with gatekeepers, who are normally bad, but sometimes good. <laughs> what? It wasn't uncommon for bands to appear briefly in the charts and then disappear forever when fans realized that the band was a label creation put together for a quick cash grab. Hmm, That's okay. when the gatekeepers come in handy to kind of filter that out. To keep the
1: gate as one will. <laughs>
0: This mainstream side of the second wave was really highlighted by Bon Jovi's 1986 album called Slippery When Wet. It just seems like a, you know, they're just trying to help people out, give people a warning.
1: The only thing I can think of is the Starkid show. I'm so (laughs) sorry.
0: It's been a total of eight weeks at the top of the album charts, and it was the first hard rock album to spawn three top 10 singles. It is highly regarded as opening up the genre. It appealed to women, not just young men, and paved the way for more access to MTV and radio stations.
1: How do you know the other stuff didn't appeal to women?
0: I, I mean, you didn't like Striper. Yeah, here, but I like
1: the other stuff.
0: Here is living on a prayer. I don't know this. I'm leave that in there and not let them know your joke.
1: that's a good good opening very iconic beginning to a music video i like it the closet They're doing more than Taylor. Exactly. This is big production.
0: I think Mary Bobby Brown is dating his son.
1: How old is his son?
0: Okay. You never Probably know. That's only one of his songs. I'm sure he has seven. Alright. Well no more! <laughs> nope, that's the No many more. Many go through. That was Living on a Prayer.
1: was such fun to watch
0: however there were still some bands that stayed true to the origins of the genre and played a grittier style of glam metal like king cobra who became the band bullet boys here is their song called smooth up in ya oh i'm here for it
1: Look at him with his (laughs) hips! Elvis Who.
0: For it. All right, well that's Bullet Boys with we'll Smooth Up in ya. So that's kind of like the second branch. Okay. About the the more commercial guys like Bon Jovi. While these new bands were expanding and capitalizing on the genre, some of the old heads still got in on the action. We'll talk about it more next episode, I'm sure. But Motley Crue released an album in 1987 called Dr. Feel Good, which is considered by many to be the best hair metal album of all time, and it's the biggest album of Motley Crue's career. The band all agreed that it was their most solid album to that point because they were all pushed to stay sober while they were making it.
1: Good job, boys. We'll
0: we'll listen to a lot of Motley Crue next episode, but congratulations
1: on your sobriety.
0: Here is Kickstart Your Heart from that album.
2: I hate this color.
0: The Molly Crew episode's pretty wild. So that'll be an interesting time.
1: Did he Kool Aid dye his, the tip of his bangs blue? It's good taste for them to have like car wrecks in yep. their music videos.
2: <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: My heart.
1: He sounded like Ajax. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also in the 80s, Guns N' Roses emerged on the scene with a rawer, edgier sound. Rawr? Rawr. Rawr. Edgier sound than, rawr? The rawr, rawr. <laughs> edgier sound than the hair metal fans were used to up to this point. So much so that many people don't really call them a hair metal band. Guns N' Roses emerged from that same LA scene and played the same stages as the other hair metal bands, but there was always something heavier about what they were doing both musically and lyrically. They incorporated a lot of the sounds of blues and punk into their music. That's cool. They went on to sell millions of albums and became hugely successful. They kind of combined that look of glam metal, which was super, super popular on MTV and on stage, with the raw style that was almost anti-commercialized. Raw. <laughs> even though their debut album... What, why did I start that sentence with even though? There is no even though. Their debut album is the best-selling debut of all time. Even though. <laughs> it's even though their debut album is the best-selling album of all time.
1: I have something to tell you. What? "rar" means I love you in Dinosaur. I, I Did you remember <laughs> that from 2012?
0: I blocked that from my memory.
1: Too bad. It's here now. I'm sure
0: it's older than that. Here is Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses, by the way. What's
1: Welcome to the Jungle? This song. You're Welcome to the Jungle.
0: We can go see them at Geodis. Also, this band practice in Bob Welch's Garage. The guitarist from Fleetwood Mac
1: Hmm.
0: got him hooked on cocaine. That's a bummer. It's been so fun to see them and like the you height, like their
1: talent. Thank
0: you. My, my Come on, I, I hear you All right, that's Welcome to the Jungle.
1: He said I'm sexy. He did. are you gonna sit sit there and let another man call me sexy like that
0: yeah i don't think there's a lot i can do
1: that's right he'll he'll beat you up i think you might be dead oh that's sad
0: i don't remember maybe that was acdc's vocals i don't remember anyway almost as a reaction against what guns N' roses were doing bands started to really lean into the power ballad poison which was originally formed in pennsylvania made the decision to move west to la in 1983 to chase that glam metal dream. They couldn't land a major label contract, so they signed with a smaller label in 1986 and released their debut album that the band had to partially help fund. It was a surprise success and had three singles that charted. Their second album peaked at number two. That album featured what I would call the quintessential power ballad. When I think of power ballads, I think of this song.
2: What is
1: it?
0: Do you not know? What is your guess?
1: I can't think of anything right now because I am a goldfish with a mind of a bubble.
0: It's every rose has its thorn.
2: We've both lost and stealing the dead of the night. Both
0: together, he used to have a show on BH1 When I was in like high school side. Where he was trying to find love was He always wore a cowboy hat Wow, this guy wore a cowboy hat? I can't remember what it was called right. yeah. I mean, he was Though much I older
1: He never found love In these days? But he probably did several
0: times every rose has its thorn.
1: Well yeah, no wonder he just left her there. Like With a butt like that, he just leaves her there?
0: Oh see, he's wearing a cowboy. Hat. As it's dawn.
2: Just like every cowboy sings sad, sad song. Every rose has its dawn. Say, a you're, you're vibrating he's a, a <laughs> Alright, that's so
0: about a as much of poison as I can take. That was boring. Not as every rose has its thorn. While they continued to see success, tension always followed poison. Brett Michaels, who is the front man, was known to get into a few scuffles, which earned. Wait, him. wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. What? I. I i'm just placing that brett michaels was yeah. poison <laughs> that's brett michaels i okay well, i didn't know you knew his name i do i also saw that show yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's what I, saw. I don't remember the name of the show
2: rock of love
0: that's what i wanted to say but that sounds so stupid so. what's the other one with
1: the guy with the watch
0: um the clock that was flavor flave from flavor
1: of love and rock Flav of, of love. love yeah so he was rock of love
0: that sounds terrible. Um. Anyway, Brett Michaels was known to get into a few scuffles, which earned him lawsuits in LA, Atlanta, and Tallahassee.
1: You got in trouble for a scuffle in Tallahassee? <laughs> that
0: sounds like the title of some weird punk album. It's a good title. The head of public- publicity at their label sued them for a million dollars when they dunked a bucket of ice over her head at a party. Huh a million seems like a stretch.
1: She's their publicist?
0: She's the head of publicity at their record label.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. For ice?
0: Yeah, I I don't know.
1: That's just the ice bucket challenge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're out of the game. Then they had a few more business-related lawsuits, and they recorded another successful album in 1990, despite the members being at each other's throats and deep in addiction. They've had their ups and downs, but they're still out there touring. So you can still go see old Brett if you want. No way. <laughs> you, you could be his rock of love.
1: No, I don't want to. That
0: sounded like it should have been a Striper song. After almost a decade of roaring success, hair metal started to rapidly decline in the early 90s. A lot of the major bands of the genre were undergoing lineup changes or breaking up. I think you can't really party as hard as they all did for 10 years and not have some pushback and issues from that. Or or die. Yeah, that was happening too. Also, grunge music was starting to come out of Seattle, and that's what all of the kids now wanted to listen to. Yeah, Grunge was basically everything that glam metal wasn't. They all drew heavily from traditional metal and punk influences, but grunge was stripped down and purposely devoid of any of the hair metal theatrics. MTV and the radio stations started to focus on the new emerging styles and kind of left hair metal in the 80s. There was a film in 1988 called The Decline of Western Civilization, Part 2, The Metal Years. (laughs) What? What? Part one was about the punk scene of LA.
1: Interesting. In like
0: the early 80s and then part two is about the metal years and then part three was something in the 90s i don't. I think i don't think it was music i think it was just like drug addiction this is the decline
1: of western civilization yes ah oh. <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> it was a documentary filmed between august 1987 and february 1988 and it showcases the los angeles metal scene of that time period yeah so the first film dealt with the punk scene in 1981 this one focused on the metal scene in 1988 and the third one focused on the gutter punk lifestyle of homeless teenagers in the 90s. Um what?
1: I don't think I like it. <laughs> okay. I really don't feel like homeless teens need to be sensationalized and mocked in documentary
0: form. I don't know that they're being mocked. It's just a documentary showcasing it.
1: Oh, it sounds like a pretty judgmental documentary.
0: I, I mean, I haven't watched part three. I watched part one on the punk scene. It wasn't. It just showed like the band's playing and then it did like little interviews with them and showed like their houses and stuff and where they were lit. Like it wasn't, maybe the title gives it that connotation, but... Maybe they were saying that ironically. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what the parents are all worried about is the decline of us, and I don't know.
1: Huh, okay. But anyway. Sounds like one of the, it sounds like the books that are like, this is why the world is ending. Like, that's what it sounds like.
0: Yeah. The film features interviews with some of the biggest acts in the genre and really showcase the extreme excesses happening in the genre at this time. In one scene, the guitarist for Wasp is being interviewed while drinking vodka on a floating chair in the middle of a swimming pool.
1: Oh, that is so badass.
0: He calls himself a full-blown alcoholic and pours vodka on himself.
1: You know, that's just relatability and knowing <laughs> knowing your vices.
0: I think his mom was also there or something. I don't know. Honestly, icon. In another scene, the vocalist of Odin is in a hot tub surrounded by scantily clad women and claims his band would be bigger than Zeppelin. Spoiler Who alert! Who is that? They weren't. <laughs> <laughs> He's the singer of Odin.
1: That's where, that's where, Thor is from.
0: Yeah, good job. No, is it?
1: Or is oh, that his I dad? Think Odin is his dad. Okay.
0: So in the movie, different club owners are interviewed about how women get into the club easier if they dress sleazily. Other people talk about how the scene is incredibly sexist and how female groupies were treated terribly.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh, those two things kind of go hand in hand with the sexualization and objectification of women. Yep. Yeah, no no shit.
0: <laughs> in one scene, Paul Stanley of Kiss is interviewed on a bed surrounded by half-naked women.
1: Wow, like props.
0: Essentially, members of Aerosmith talk about spending millions of dollars on drugs. Many artists talk about drug use and the possibility of overdose. It's thought that this film was partly responsible for the down spiral of glam metal and the rise of grunge, kind of as a pushback against the opulence and money-focused attitude of the people that were being interviewed. It is said that fans were disgusted by what they saw and looked for something more real and authentic. In 1999, the the filmmaker did reveal that at least one scene was fake
1: so documentaries can be
0: fake <laughs> what at least one scene it was a scene in which ozzy osborne talks about sobriety and how hard it was
1: yeah he wasn't sober i'm sorry to ozzy i'm sorry though it was he just, might have been at the time it was just right there i'm <laughs> sorry ozzy
0: in the movie he ends up spilling orange juice because his hands were shaking which apparently that was fake
1: which, Did like, he spill it because he wasn't paying attention? I don't I, understand. I have, I have no idea. That's such a crazy detail to <laughs> yeah, fake.
0: That's a weird. <laughs> but the fact that something as small as that was fake makes people think like how much more was she setting up, and was she trying to like, I don't know. It just it it kind of cast a bit of a shadow over the whole thing. In the box set of all three movies, Penelope Spherus, who is this filmmaker noted that she faked some scenes involving Ozzy and the Wasp guitarist, who was drinking vodka in the pool.
1: Oh man, I wanted that to be 100% real. (laughs) It probably was. Sounds 100% real to me.
0: But whether or not it was faked, the damage was done. And honestly, the scene was probably as bad as it was depicted in that movie. Several bands lost members that were key to their success, like Motley Crue's Singer, Poison, Def Leppard, and Guns N' Roses, all lost guitarists. Audiences started to lose interest in the power ballad that was a staple of the success. The success of Grunge came as a major surprise to label heads who thought that they were caught off guard by the new genre. So they started to fire their employees in favor of younger people who could catch the new trends. (laughs) So Glam Metal lost a lot of their label support and a lot of the MTV support.
1: Man, it's an unforgiving industry. Yeah.
0: We already talked about in the MTV episode about how MTV was moving away from music programming in the Mm -hmm. 90s, so no one was getting a lot of their support. Mm -hmm. It was kind of crucial to the theatrics of hair metal. By the early 2000s, some of the iconic bands started to have reunions and see success again. There were also some newer bands that kind of emulated that glam metal style like Buck Cherry and Hinder, for better or worse. Do you know Buck Cherry? I do not. They are terrible.
1: I want to see. Okay. Why are they terrible?
0: It's just, it's.
1: Is it worse than,
0: than honest, honestly? It's not. It's not. Musically terrible. It's just you watch and you're like, oh, like it just leaves you feeling bad about it. Oh no. Here's their most popular song that you've probably heard.
1: I have heard this. Yeah. i hope that she got paid well
0: down, <laughs> right All right that's that's about all Buckcherry buck cherry I can take You know hinder though right No lips of an angel Thank you I don't know if you're being sarcastic when you say you don't know bands. I don't. You don't know Hinder? Right. See, are you being sarcastic? <laughs> no. Know. Oh, were you just Dead saying, ass! I don't know! Were you saying thank you that I called your lips the lips of an angel? Yes. Is that what the thank you was about? Yes. I thought you were like being, oh, thank you for explaining to me no. Hinder is. I no. that's what that meant. No, that okay. would be rude. I mean, I'm assuming you know lips of an angel though.
1: Not by name. Really? I don't know.
0: Well, now we know they're better. They're definitely better than Buck Cherry. It's the one where his cousin is in the next room.
1: Is that the cousin? <sighs>
0: it's not really cousin. That's just how so I always heard it when I was growing up.
2: It's hard to talk right now.
0: Shocked you haven't heard this song.
2: Because I can't be too loud Oh well My cousin The next room Sometimes I wish She would get it now yeah. <laughs> I
0: always heard my cousin The next room really
2: It's really good to hear your voice Saying my name it's
1: No I don't think I've ever heard those so It's wild
2: to me Coming from the
0: Going I like in the I say,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's lips of an angel. They weren't bad.
1: It seems very two thousands.
0: Yeah, it was released or it was put on YouTube thirteen years ago.
1: Um, is that no? What? That's twenty ten. I almost said "Is that 2000.
0: It might have been out in like 2008 because that was back before people were putting a lot of music videos on YouTube. So. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, all of this led to a bit of a glam metal revival. I like what one article said about it. It said, quote, the Sunset Strip was cleaned up, got a job, and only wears eyeliner on the weekends. <laughs> the venues are still there, playing host to reunion shows, new hard rock acts, and those looking to reminisce over sparkling water on their lost weekends on the strip. Meanwhile, the hair bands that define the scene still play to packed stadiums on lucrative world tours. The audiences, like the bands, are just a little older and maybe wiser. End quote. And that's hair metal. Still going strong to this day. Cool. Next week, or next episode, definitely will be next week, we talk about Motley Crue, who are the most... maybe one of the most controversial bands. Not... In terms of what they did, <laughs> just like talked about craziest bands, hmm. they were Steve-O's inspiration when he was getting started with all of his stunts.
1: Oh, I thought we'd already talked about them.
0: Yeah, we might have like hinted on them in the past, but mm-hmm. it's Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. That whole thing happened when he was in Motley Crue. Oh. So, we talk about all that next week. Cool. Any any last thoughts on hair metal before we get out of here? Seems like you liked it more than I thought you would.
1: Yeah. Let's
2: chill.
0: You gonna go throw some butt Cherry one here?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> we respect women in this household.
0: Alright, well. See you next time.
1: Goodbye. Move. We'll-